Three safety cars in Qatar may have helped the soft-equipped drivers, but it was hard luck for them at the end of the day as Max Verstappen on his mediums made, a, made it a third successive world championship title. I promise I will talk about Oscar Piastri. Welcome to Grid Talk. My name is Owen Medford, and today we are here to discuss sorry, the Qatar Sprint. Joining me today, we have co-host of Formula Talk, Sophia Richmond. Hi. And Jawad Yacoub from the Hit the Apex podcast. Good morning, everybody. Before we get into the episode, we must thank our sponsor for this episode, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest lines, uh, sorry, odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages from live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action to get in on the action. Remember to use promo code believe that's B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B L E A V. Bet online where the game starts. Also to be also sure to follow us on our brand new social channels at grid talk UK to stay up to date with the show. So, Max Verstappen joins the likes of Stewart, PK, Senna, Lauda, and Brabham as a three-time world champion, and is the only member of that club to win them consecutively. I'll just start with you, Jared. It's It seems inevitable, or well, it has seemed inevitable, that it's going to happen. Obviously, it's, this isn't a win at the end of a, of a race, like a, sorry, a Grand Prix like we'd be expecting. But do you think that'll matter to Verstappen, really? Not really. He wrapped up the title. We couldn't wax lyrical enough about him as we have done all year on this show and on all the other shows. But yeah, the accolades just keep coming the way of Verstappen. And we still got six Grand Prix left this season. And he very much has a chance to end the year third on the third on the all-time list of winners as well, because 53 wins, I believe, for Sebastian Vettel, 52 Alan Prost, or 51, I think, and yeah, Max is on 48, so what a record-breaking year for him, and all he had to go out there and do today in the sprint was score three points. He still wanted to go out there and win, as is the Verstappen mentality, but good on his engineer, GP Lambiosi, for kind of calming him down and Sergio Perez was out of the race early and we'll talk about that a bit later I'm sure but yeah he there was no pressure really on Verstappen to do anything to score those points he just had to bring the car home it's that mentality it's that Michael Schumacher mentality that there's been comparisons between Verstappen and, and Michael that they're relentless the way they go about their racing and just wanting perfection in everything so it's yeah one of the great all-time seasons I think and yeah, when we look back on 2023 in retrospect down the line, I'm sure there'll be a lot of talk about how boring a season it's been. But when you look at the individual performance of Verstappen as a sports person and athlete, high performance athlete, you've got to really take your hat off and say, well done, son. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, Sophia, it's obviously, it's looking like the, was it the RB19, I think? I, I don't remember the names, of, but now that they've chopped and changed all through the through the end of 2021, yeah, it's easy to say that the RB19 is going to be probably the most dominant car of all time if they if they manage to win the remaining the remaining few Grand Prix. I'm just thinking, is it just the car, Sophia, when it comes to Verstappen? 
No, I, I don't think so. I think there is obviously the debate, the car versus the driver, and there's like a percentage ratio for it. But we've seen Max, I think he actually has the most wins from different points of the grid. He has won from many different areas. He's done some great overtaking. Even, we'll discuss it a little bit more, but even like today, overtaking on the mainstream without DRS need, like that is a bold move. But obviously that shows how powerful the car is. And especially with comparing it to his teammate as well it does show it's maybe it's more of the car but in reality i do think it's also just how max's driving style the car is suited to him for that style he's just been consistent so we knew that he was going to win the championship we knew we just didn't know when it was going to happen we thought it was going to be about three more races prior to that but obviously there's some hiccups but he's done great this season he's broken a lot of records he's continuing to break records it's definitely one of the best seasons I think we've seen in motorsport. And even though it's been, oh, Max is running every time. But if you look at previous years as well, that was a similar case as well. Like you have some of these world championship drivers who had the highest conversion rates of wins. So it's just the same. It's just obviously it's more prolific now with social media and lots of external factors and sta- uh, stakeholders being involved and shareholders or whatever. But it was a great season for Red Bull. It still is a great season because they can still break a whole bunch of more records and also have Max move up on some of the all-time leaderboards for podiums, poles, wins, and everything as well. So, yeah, this car is absolutely amazing. It'll be interesting. I, to be fair, I can't wait for next season as well now just to see. Checo made some interesting comments in post-interview um, about he had more changes in the car than Max did, but again, that suit... We all knew this car is going to be suited to Max. Like, he is the number one, even though they don't like to say there is a number one. But it is blatantly obvious he is number one and he's performing it so well. Um, But it's been a great season and can't wait to see what more happens. Especially now, because the title has been decided. I'm ready for the lower teams to scrap and fight. There's obviously the battle of P2 in the Drivers' Championship, even in the Constructors' as well. Red Bull's never had a 1-2 in the Drivers' Championship. And right now... That could also be lost by with her, uh, Paris's performances of the last couple of races. So we'll discuss it probably a little bit later as well. Yeah, it's, it's certainly an interesting one. I, I I must admit I did slight sneakily load the question, but I, I I want no one thinking that that I was under the impression it's just the car Verstappen has done an astounding job, and the only people who have the only other people who have scored consecutive world championships have have at least between four and seven. He could become the person to score apart from Sebastian Vettel. He could be become the person to score four, five, six world championships consecutively, which would be a scary thought if you're anyone else. Now, so if we move to the sort of we're bookending this. We start at the top of the, uh, I guess at the yeah at the top of the tree with Verstappen, and we now move to the unfortunately the other end of the spectrum in the Red Bull fold with Liam Lawson. An unfortunate day at the office, Jawad. Is there anything he, more he could have done? Not really. I think this is the first blemish that we've seen from Lawson in his short time that he's been in F1, so really hard to r- rip into him over the mistake. It was a error. He lost control of the car. Conditions were tricky. There was so much wind around, tyres not offering the grip that they would have liked. And the fact that first time at this particular track too, I'm sure he won't be happy with himself by his own high standards, but what can you do? At least the car wouldn't have been damaged in that incident, apart from just cleaning out some gravel when he can go and have a crack in the Grand Prix 
tomorrow before handing the car back to Daniel Ricciardo for the next race. Yeah, of course. Luckily, he didn't actually collide with anyone, which is which is a pretty good thing. And I assume that there were some of the soft runners who were, who were probably pretty happy that he caused that first safety car. Causing the second was Logan Sargent's fear. Now, we look at so if we're going to talk about the rookies that have done great this season, Liam Lawson is probably a prime example. And and so Logan Sargent, on the other hand, what are your thoughts on him, particularly with <laughs> with this? <laughs> 180. <laughs> you have Larson, you obviously have Piastri now that has a race, even though it's a sprint race win. He's not, he's at the bottom of the rookies. And even some of the ones that are like in the only second year of F1, he's at the bottom. Losses, uh, sorry, not losses. Sarge's mistake was his own. He was on the racing line. Like it looked like he was actually on the racing line. And I guess either under or oversteer and just tweaked it and then just hit a little bit of the dust because it is very dusty and it was super windy and we saw so obviously we're in Qatar it is a sand pit like there's dust everywhere and these cars are so sensitive as well but it just shows I hate to say his lack of skills pretty much I've been I've spoken a few times on some of the episodes my thoughts about Sergeant I think he should have stayed in uh, F2 maybe one more season a bit longer maybe had have somebody else come into Williams obviously his seat is still open uh, James Vowell has said that they want to keep Sargent, but if he's causing all these issues, it's hindering the development for next year as well. That's also a big thing we need to factor in. And then obviously with Andretti being potentially coming in in a couple years time, they need to start planning and saving money in case they won't have as much money in the pocket for wins and everything wins. Where they stand in the championship, I'm not going to win, sorry, but where they're going to get funding from. So it definitely is showing more and especially, yeah, Lawson said very well in his couple of races that he's stepped in and then Piastri's won and then you just have Sargent. He is the replacement of Latifi for red flags now and safety cars. That is very consistent almost every race <laughs> so far this season. Yeah, it's quite unfortunate. I do feel for the guy and it's and obviously we've we've talked about it with I think Leclerc at times as well, but obviously the the moment you start to make mistakes you try harder and you almost try too hard and it and it snowballs from there. And I think someone else who has probably understood that that feeling a little bit is Sergio Perez. And, and normally I spend a lot of time, we, we've criticized Sergio Perez quite widely on this show. But today, I just, apart from me maybe saying that the car is fast enough that Sergio Perez shouldn't have been battling with the people he was battling with that put him in this position, I think he was just a, an unfortunate sort of, not an unfortunate, yeah, not an innocent bystander, but he did get certainly get caught in the crossfire, Jared. Yeah, it was the bread in sandwich with incident involving Ocon and Hulkenberg, and it was unfortunate, really, because yeah, on a day where his teammate went on to be crowned world champion, I mean, they were talking about it in the coverage that if Perez had finished in the top three in the sprint, mathematically the championship stays alive, and we all know that's not going to happen this year for him. But what do you do? And Sophia echoed it before about how the interview that he had post the sprint and what does he need to do next year and and he made comments about the car and need to work on that on his side it's at least one thing with Perez if it's all done and dusted now yes unfortunate he didn't finish the sprint but at least with the championship being out of the way now he can focus on P2 because that's essentially what his job has been the whole season is to make sure Red Bull finish 1-2 in the Constructors, sorry, 1-2 with the Drivers' Championship and they've, they've secured the Constructors and hopefully with 
some of that pressure alleviated. I don't know if pressure can be alleviated if you're a Red Bull driver. It's it doesn't seem to go together. But anyway, with some of that pressure off, surely we can see a better Perez come back for the last six races. And yeah, we don't see him overdriving the car or we try to take the car where it's not comfortable for him, etc. Yeah, it's just tricky. And I think it was fellow host Tom Downey said in the chat that it just seems like Perez is broken at the moment. And the only thing that's going to fix that is a nice off season or if he decides to retire. And I hope he doesn't retire. I want to see him see out his contract. But yeah, he's going to have to come back with a different mentality and not try to try so hard to achieve something that is unachievable given that your teammate is Verstappen. Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't think Verstappen's going to do a, a Lewis Hamilton where he wraps up the title a couple of races early and and then seemingly goes on a mental holiday. <laughs> There's no criticism of, of Hamilton, but it's something that we've all noticed him do. It's, it's almost the Hamilton curse. Once he wraps up the title, out he goes. Uh, obviously, we're going to stick with really the same incident. I think everyone was, I think it's pretty much the consensus that everyone was blamed, not blameless. This is a racing incident. This is what happens when you get three cars on track at the same time. Ocon, unfortunately, I think came off worse. He was going to get ganged up on, and then obviously he's also one of the first to go out to get to go out. It was a great attempt of the overtake, and then he just got clipped by Hulkenberg, and then it was just God's hands the situation. And especially as mentioned, like going through wide, and Ocon couldn't see Paris. Paris couldn't see Ocon. It was just obviously Hulkenberg in the middle. The fact that they went three wide as well is it was very cool to watch, but obviously not the best outcome. If they all stuck it, I think that would have been like a great clip to have. But yeah, it's just not what Alpine wants in general. Like they've not had obviously going off from Japan, how qualifying was yesterday as well. It's just not doing the best for them. And I feel for Alcon. There's obviously some level. It is a racing incident, but again, there is some kind of you have to take some kind of onus onto it as well. But to be fair for him, he just didn't have much space. And he was right by those like really bad curbs, I think, as well as well, those pyramid curbs. So it was either you do more damage on the pyramids or in the gravel. And I think probably the gravel is maybe the better choice. He wasn't on fire, so that does help better than being over the pyramids. Um, but yeah, definitely a racing incident. Hopefully it's not as much damage, so they'll be good for tomorrow. They've not really said anything about to the extent of how much of the damage is, but it's not what Alpine wanted, both drivers being quite low outside the points as well, I believe. So it's not what the, the Saturday they want, but hopefully they can make some points on Sunday, but I doubt it given how they did on qualifying yesterday as well. Yeah, yet again, even after the highs of, uh, of, of of the last couple of weekends, yeah, Alpine still struggling. Now we've got the the person who came out of that incident best. We've got Nico Hulkenberg, but obviously he that did deposit him down as oh no, I was going to say he's the last of the people still running, but no, Nico Hulkenberg did not finish either. Jawad, a race to forget. Oh, sorry, a sprint to forget in that case for him. Yeah, it doesn't look good for the hearts at all at the moment, and. Hulkenberg traditionally has been the stronger of the Haas duo in race forms. You look back to Austria earlier in the year in the sprint. I think that was their best result that there was. It just, yeah, wrong place, wrong time, and three into one doesn't go around this track. So nothing more to really add in this one other than it was unfortunate. And hopefully they don't have to break out the spares of Haas because we know how uh, frugal they are with extra parts and upgrades. 
I was going to say what spares. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> I think it's a trick. You know what? I think my overriding thought about this incident is honestly, it's a MotoGP track. Don't try and send it three wide. <laughs> it's far too narrow. Now, so we move on to the to the last of the cars that were still running. Guan Yu Zhou, a bit of an anonymous race for him. Yeah, he didn't really... He started where he qualified. Sorry, he finished where he qualified. And I think that's the most positive thing I can say about him, Sophia. Yeah, he actually technically... if post penalties do apply he won't be the last of the finishes because somebody else will be at the bottom and i'll be speaking about him next afterwards but yeah very quiet race even for both of the alphas i would say as well it's been quite quiet on it i think boss's name was only once i don't remember hearing anything coming out of the commentators about joe it was just head down race obviously 19 laps tire management it's a track obviously they just changed the curve turn 12 and turn 13 so i think it was just more for him not trying to be stupid in a sprint where the points don't matter as much as they did for the feature race. So hopefully it'll be good. It's great information for him. And yeah, there's not really much to say. Like you said, he qualified and finished where he started. He didn't crash. That's the best outcome. <laughs> yeah, that is better than some, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, we've got the next Haas. So again, not a great day at the office for Haas. And if they've taken up the position that they tend to be in quite a lot, yeah, we've got Kevin Magnussen Jowett in, in 11th place, I want to say, but I'm not sure. Or 14th? <laughs> oh, 14th, sorry. Yeah, I got, I'm, I'm being far, <laughs> far more charitable than I probably should be. Yeah, who knows? With They were one of the three drivers, I think, to actually pit as well and pass as a team that have, yeah, could be 13th as well, maybe, with penalties. But yeah, Haas, typically a team that struggles with tires anyways take him to a track where tire wear is absolutely ridiculous and yeah of course they're gonna have to make a pit stop in a sprint of all, all things so i think that's what george russell was going off as well when he wanted to pit but they'll come a bit later but yeah he finished he brought the car home that's all you could ask for if you're going to steiner at the moment yeah that's pretty much it that's all they can do yeah not great <laughs> Not great for Haas at all. On the week that... Sorry, we're just going to move straight on to the next one. But on the week that Aston Martin announced their return to endurance race, and we get someone who is going to obviously not show a, a good return to form whatsoever. Lance Stroll, Sophia, 13th place, and it might get worse from there. Tell us what happened with his race. Yeah, it, it's just been his weekend. It's just been one thing after another. Both qualifying's on the first time. Obviously, we've seen the clips of the instances with his engineers and trainers, obviously his post-racist abuse and being slated on social media about all that. But he actually had the most track limits out of the 19 laps. He had five track limit infringements. And they've said if you have more than four, that equals a five-second uh, time penalty. That means he actually, even though he finished 13th, if he had the five seconds, he will be pretty much below Joe with a two second difference even after that as well because there's only like a two second gap between him and Joe in the end so yeah bottom of the uh, the standings of the finishing drivers not the best weekend it's just one thing after another Aston Martin's been in social media a lot today this weekend obviously announcing with the Le Mans there's rumors that Scholes look father Lauren Stroll is looking to maybe remove his shares and investments into Aston Martin as well that's been discussed down the line and on different news articles as well. So, yeah, it's just not been the best. And then you also have Alonso on the other side who's doing very well. So it's just been 
not the best. God, what, I don't want to be so mean because he's just not been having the best weekend. I'm not expecting much for tomorrow. Today, he didn't do anything really wrong besides the track limits. We have to give him props on that. There was so many battles that happened in the middle of the pack that he was involved with. And you can see how tire management and tire strategies did come into play. I think he was on the mediums as well. Oh, no, I think he actually pitted as well. He's one of the ones that did pit after this doing the safety car for it. But it's just not been his weekend so far. And I'm not expecting it to get any better for tomorrow either. Yeah, again, another difficult day at the office and probably going to be followed by another for, for yet another team. We have Yuki Sonoda, who I genuinely didn't see during the race at all, Jawed. Can you provide a little bit more light on what happened to him? Perhaps it's a good thing we didn't see him because if we did, generally he is in some kind of incident or involved in an incident. But yeah, we know that car has plenty of deficiencies when it comes to performance. And given that his teammate was out of the race early, there was incident involving three cars going into one and things just there was action everywhere during this sprint and for there to be action and Sonoda to not be involved is is often a good thing. So I think, yeah, to bring the car home 12th, a lot of data they would have learned as well, especially with tyre wear. We still don't know what's going to happen with the full race distance, whether there'll be that mandated three-stop that they're talking about because of how abrasive the or how bad the tyre wear is at this circuit. So, yeah, I think he did some valuable work out there, did Sonoda for the team, and I'm sure... Lawson will benefit from that as well, his side of the garage. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be an interesting one, to be honest. The, the tyre wear is going to be a factor. And we still haven't had a, a decision from Pirelli about, about whether it's going to be a mandatory three-stop. But this takes me back. I'll, I'll put it this way. This, give, this takes me back to the era of 18 years ago with the, with the two, was it 2005? Indianapolis. You know, Indianapolis Grand Prix. There we go. I was thinking it was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, uh, we'll see how the how our teams deal with it. Funnily enough, George Russell was saying that he thinks that now the teams have the data, they should probably just leave it to the teams. I wonder why with this with this Mercedes that's known to be very kind on its tyres. Interestingly enough, yeah. But with that, we move to to an ex an ex Mercedes driver with Valtteri Bottas, the highest placed of the Alfa Romeo Sofia. Again, slightly anonymous race, really, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I think the only time I really heard about him was when he was battling Lewis to begin with as well, towards the start of when the restarts. That's, I think, the only time I ever heard his name come across. But again, that's what you want in some race weekends. You want to be out of the action, but still making moves for it. I think he qualif- I think he finished higher than what he qualified in to begin with. So that's still a positive. Yes, it's not the points, but it's still good enough in some constructors' eyes as well. But yeah, like Joe, very quiet and... That's good. For next for tomorrow's race, we'll see how it is. Again, I'm not expecting much. Alpha's been obviously the middle, bottom, middle of the pack for it. I think he might throw some interesting overtakes because he knows the track and obviously he is very confident in the car and we've seen him do some great overtaking maneuvers throughout the season so far in the Alpha. So definitely it's not going to be unexpected if he doesn't go down the inside or even just does like the inside outside move that we've seen a couple times even today in the sprint race happen so we'll see but i'm not thinking points though yeah no yeah so then we move on to someone who would be getting points if this was a normal race but unfortunately it's unfortunately for him it's a sprint so he misses out by being in 10th place is pierre gasly as the highest place of the alpine runners Jared, I again, I can't remember anything he did. <laughs> he did lock up though, and that was his 
kind of moment where he cost himself the possibility of finishing the points in the top eight. But yeah, no, he was one of the drivers who went on the soft tyres, made some ground early, and then, yeah, just fell away later in the race. And yeah, the only highlight there with Pierre was him locking up and inviting Hamilton into the points. Decent job from the Alpine again. Don't know how their car, if it's going to be optimised tomorrow for the race, but they would have gained a lot of information that I'm sure they will share between the garages. Yeah, I know not to go for a they know not to go for a soft tire start. And to be fair, with with both Gasly and Ocon starting sixth and seventh, uh, sorry seventh and eighth respectively, they they actually could do quite well if they can continue that form. Just no looking up though. Yeah, and then we've uh, we, we move across to Alonso, who could be a driver to get into the points after profiting off someone else's misfortune or fortune of their own making. Fernando Alonso yet again uh, pulling out a remarkably good result with a car that is very clearly well off the pace. Sophia, it's the most Fernando Alonso thing pa- possible, isn't it? Yeah, it's happened multiple times. To be fair, if he does move up, then he finishes one position higher than what he started with. So. That's a win, and obviously points that are needed. I saw this in the beginning, before the season even started, because obviously we saw the preseason test and everyone was hyping Aston Martin. I said they're going to drop off, and I still stand by that. They have dropped off tremendously, especially comparing them to the McLarens and um, everything. So it, it's great that he's able to get the points, and he is challenging. He's had a few times, even in qualifyings, where into Q3, been very contending to be in the like top five or positions or even just getting into Q3 unlike his teammate Stroll which like we mentioned before has been out most of Q1s almost every single week for the last couple week race weekends but it's well to see needed points for Alonso he is battling in his own kind of driver's championship where he wants to finish he wants to finish as high as possible he's had a great season so far I'm expecting a few more podiums even from He's that type of driver because he has so much experience in world championships. He will push that car to the absolute brink and get the points that they need. He's been carrying Aston on his back this entire season as well. I think there was a joke one time and it was when Stroll DNF'd and it was like the points only just said Alonso instead of Alonso slash Stroll. It shows how great of a driver he is. And this is a test even with, uh, it's similar to Max and Perez as well, like, how different the, these two drivers are as well. And it shows how great skills Alonso has. And I was always hesitant in coming back into F1 because obviously I prefer younger people getting more opportunities. But he's proving that age is nothing compared to skills. And I'm hoping a good race for him tomorrow as well. Maybe even the points, but um, a little bit unlikely. But who knows? But great if he is able to finish in P8 pending Charles Leclerc's five-second time penalty. We don't know what's happening with that one. Half of news articles are saying there is. FIA has an article saying that they have, but then F1 is not posted. So who knows? But even finishing P9, he started P9. That's still a great feat as well. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a pretty good with, uh, like we've said, a, a terrible car. Yeah, it's so odd with the FIA. I've, I'm looking at the documents. We have them. We know that they're going to get the penalties and that yeah, F1 won't post it. I will say, if you enjoy this podcast, we'd love it if you could take a fi- take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're one of the 72% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please can ha- consider helping us out with a like and subscribe. 
And now, now we've got through the halfway point, we move to the drivers in the points. An eighth place from Alex Albon Joward, who is probably going to be promoted up to, to, to seventh owing to that Leclerc penalty. This is a pretty good result for Albon, but it's not entirely unexpected from him at this point. Not at all, but didn't think, given how they performed in qualifying uh, the Williams team, that is, that points would have been possible. So this is just, yeah, Albon showing his skill as always, and every point is crucial to that team, I guess, at the moment. We in their Constructors' Championship fight last time as well. I think we're going to see the golf livery that Sophie's just mentioned as well. I think it's the last race that they've got that livery on board for this year. It's great to see it around the track and under the lights and Albon doing well in it. At least got that shining light on one side of the Williams garage where on the other side it's a bit dark and gloomy. But yeah, their Constructors Championship fight with, with Haas and, and Alfa Romeo, um, they're 10 and 12 points ahead of them respectively. But every other, every point that they get can't hurt their chances of getting that seventh in championship. Yeah, I've just looked back. He's he gained ten places. It was a seventeenth place start for for Alex Albon. Oh, sorry, he will. Sorry, he will gain ten places. He gained nine, a nine on track. But yeah, if he, he if he continues that, if he manages to make up the same number of places, then he's he's going to end up in either fifth, fourth, or fifth in the race tomorrow, owing to his qualifying performance. Then we've got we've got Charles Leclerc who who is graciously giving positions away, one time only <laughs> track limits infringements for him pushing him out of the points. That's got to hurt for if you're Ferrari after the insult to injury of starting on the softs and, and very quickly going away. Yeah, I was going to mention about that them starting on the softs. I think that was probably the worst decision. Some of these they got lucky with a few of the safety guards to help save, but most people knew that. Even the commentators before the tires were even announced, like nobody should be on the softs. Then you have Ferrari doing Ferrari things and thinking the wrong strategy is always going on to the softs. Oh God, uh, it's just yeah. I don't even. I've wasted my breath so many times about Ferrari's strategy just not doing well. And Charles had some great overtakes, some great battling with the McLarens, with a uh, Mercedes as well, and then just the track limits. Track limits. There's so much going on with both of the qualifyings for that. We're going to get it tomorrow as well, let's be honest. But you would just think as well, if there was five track limits and we had 19 laps, but we also had probably about seven safety car laps, make it make sense as a driver. like you, Unless you went over it doing the safety cars, which I think someone mentioned on the commentary that there's a few of the drivers that went out of uh, track limits on a safety car, which is... Again, backwards thinking to me. But yeah, oh God, out of the points. These post-race penalties as well, they're taking a lot of time as well. We saw that again in qualifying with time penalties or not track times being deleted. A lot of these decisions are being done quite late and just in decisions in general, i.e. the three-stop mandatory regulation that might come into tomorrow that we still don't know what's happening. But it's just not the day for Charles. Hopefully, where is he starting anyway tomorrow? He should be starting quite... He's starting fifth. Yeah. Is he fifth? Yeah, starting yeah, fifth. Start- we'll see. Hopefully, he can get the stay there or maybe even challenge for a podium if they get um, a, a decent strategy, which does seem unlikely. But who knows? Yeah, yeah, I guess it's going to be a similar thing for science, isn't it, Jared? Where he's sitting there in finishing in sixth place again, being hit by the uh, the same problem with the 
the same issue that came up with the soft tyres lasting eight racing laps and that, that was with cool down time in between I don't think there's too much more to say of it is there any point of having the soft tyre particularly with high fuel loads at this track right now for tomorrow no I don't think so and they'll be pretty silly if they do it I did see somebody tweet I think it was tongue in cheek but Ferrari will be one of the teams to benefit if they do mandate a three-stop strategy because we know that they're horrible with their tyres and they've got decent race pace. I mean, the single practice session that we had on Friday, they did clock in some good race runs, but yeah, it's about that tyre management and you can also never trust or rely in the Ferrari pit crew to get anything right either or the pit walls. It's going to be an interesting one, but just quickly on signs, great that he put in another performance that was better than his teammates. Yeah, he's definitely been the class Ferrari driver this season. The only Ferrari driver to have won a race as well. Yeah, he's very clearly holding up the banner for Ferrari still. Next, we move along to the Mercedes, who I thought, actually, I was going to be a little bit critical then. But on the other hand, Hamilton making, I think, was it seven places over the course of the race? Talk us through that, Sophia. Yeah, he made the right call on his teammates to be on the mediums. And he even said post-race interview, he was like, he knew the softs would be really great at the beginning. But again, it's 19 laps. This is a high deg track. Obviously, they needed to have the best options. And Georgia's, they have the data. So why pick the wrong tires? They knew statistically probably the mediums would be the best ones to use for a 19-lap shootout, even with the safety cars coming into play. Uh, but definitely some great battles that pretty much from about, I'll say even from P1, P1 to P7 had some great, P7? Yeah, P7 had some great battling that happened throughout the race. And Hamilton has some great overtakes, not some great uh, people overtaking him as well, but he definitely moved up a lot of, he definitely moved up some of the places and everything for it. He starts quite high. He starts P3 tomorrow as well. So I'm expecting to have him to have a great performance which is what they also need in the constructors as well because they are battling now for second they want to finish second they also want both of the drivers to finish higher in the championship as well he's fighting for that as well so hopefully we can see from there but it's been a great weekend for mercedes so far and we only we still have tomorrow's race for full points that's going to happen as well yeah um I, I alluded to it earlier but uh obviously we're talking about that that mandatory three stop i don't think russell is going to be wanting that um he's saying we've got the data we know that now we won't choose it if it's a bad strategy um and i think he's only doing that because he doesn't want other teams to he doesn't want mercedes to be hamstrung by the fact that they have to do three stops so I, I, I think they're sitting there thinking you know what we can do this on two save ourselves 25 seconds and with our tire wear we can manage it george russell in fourth place he did get a bit in, eaten up didn't he joe by the end of the race yeah, he did, but it was better than the alternative, which would have been listening to what George was saying about making a pit stop and potentially finishing with no points, which would have been the case. Because, yeah, in no world will you pit for fresh tyres and have enough time to or performance to get back into the points. Taking fourth and potentially being swallowed up by your teammate who came back, as he said, to finish in the points from way down rather than getting no points at all. So yeah, just you could copy-paste the line of whoever did opt for the soft tyres in this race made the bad decision and whatnot. And yeah, I don't think for the race Grand Prix itself tomorrow, you're going to be looking at, I don't think it's worth taking the risk on 
two stops at all. So, yeah, if they do mandate a three-stop, then so be it. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do, actually, once we actually have the decision, which we do not. Now, we move on to Lando Norris, a third place. Really good work from him. One thing I want to say is that I, just preparing for this, watched the post-race interview with him. Very dejected, really weird, and I would almost say almost too hard on himself, Sophia. Do you think he's maybe feeling the fact that he has been at McLaren, has been in a position to, to win a race, and it just couldn't with Oscar Piastri taking it from him? Yeah, it was interesting seeing a lot of these drivers' post-race interviews, but like Lando's one, you could hear the emotion behind it as well, and he said it's not because... I'm just showing off my shirt as well, by the way. Green jumper to wear today. <laughs> my McLaren jumper. But, yeah. Things that he was on track to take pole in the sprint as well. And then he made that really bad mistake in going off the track and having that deleted. And he started P2, finished P3. Still podium-ish. Points, great. But now to see his teammate, who is a rookie, who took pole has now won. He was able to defeat Max's record of three sprint races when obviously we still have a few more coming in, but that's the most anybody's ever won in a season so far as three, will be three, potentially. So I think there's just a lot of pressure because you have this rookie coming in and outperforming. The McLaren is strong as well. Don't get me wrong. Both of those drivers are great. I think it's just the pressure that he's probably getting from outside where he doesn't need it because he knows that he's a great driver. He's had so many close opportunities. He almost won in Russia, but obviously it was a bad call. He has challenged for pole a few times. And having, I think having a driver as a, a teammate being that good, this is what we wanted to see with Perez. This is what we want to see with Stroll. Now we see it with Lando and Oscar. And this is where the great battles are because the nitty gritty picks what who's the better driver and who's not. I feel for him because... He's had great opportunities to potentially win, take pole even as well, because that's also still a great feat to have in this championship. I, I'm hoping maybe it could get better, but yeah, it, it definitely is not nice to see, even with McLaren for so many years, and then this rookie who has caused a lot of controversy with contracts come in, coming straight from obviously winning Formula 2, Formula 3, and then taking a year out and then coming in and now has won a race of some sort. And he's still yet to win. It, it, it is definitely hard, especially also he's younger as well. That doesn't also help because he's probably potentially guaranteed a longer time stint than Lando might be because if age does come into play for it. But you can't deny Oscar's ability and driving skills. It's been great. And these, uh, these McLaren upgrades have been great for the team for both of them. I still think Lando can win, hopefully this season. I think that'll be great. But it's definitely on the cards that he's going to win at least a few races in the next couple. Because whatever McLaren did to the factory during the summer break definitely did work for them. Yeah, I can almost draw parallels between uh, Lando Norris, between Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo when Max Verstappen came in. This guy comes in across and almost shows you up a bit. Obviously, the guy that we're speaking about is Oscar Piastri, who is... I, yeah, he's he's won a sprint race. He's won a sprint race. You can sit. I'll put it this way: you can see why McLaren went through the trouble that they did to get him, can't you, Joe? Yeah, they've been saying it now for a few months that going back to the start of the year, things looked pretty dire. The fact that Bahrain, he didn't even make it 
past the first couple of laps because of reliability problems and Lando's 10,000 pit stops that he had in the race and for them to be consistently fighting at the front now. But the question was always going to be, could Oscar go, how would he go up against Lando? Because Lando destroyed Ricardo in the time that they were together, regardless of what he wanted, what you want to say about the win in Monza. But what we've seen from Piastri this year is has been incredible, and the composure, the maturity, even that he's showing for someone who's what 21, 22 years of age, is often a bit of I don't want to say criticism, but there's people in Australia who don't I don't want to say not get behind him, but they he they don't like him as much as a Ricardo because he's not as much of a larrikin or, or as loose as Ricardo, let's say. Piastri is a bit more dry with a sense of humour and very to the point and whatnot. And I think that's what you need. You need for the skill of someone who won F3, F2 in their rookie seasons and you want to go to the top in F1, you need that focus and that commitment. And what we're seeing from Oscar is exactly that. And that's why as well, they've signed him long-term. He's got the deal that goes beyond what Norris's contract is with McLaren as well. So if Norris decides, I'm going to do a Ricardo and what Ricardo did at uh, Red Bull back in 2018, I'm going to do that and go off elsewhere, then they've got their um, future secured in Piastri. It's a great drive from him. He didn't lose his mind or his cool when he did lose the position to Russell early on because of the difference of the soft and medium tyre engineer came on the radio said yep the pace will come back to you even though there was a couple of safety cars so he put in a mature and very composed drive and it's a shame with all these with the way sprint races are classified and whatnot they can't really celebrate it as a proper grand prix win but i had someone before i came on show ask me oh are you gonna wear your rocket red top today because technically this is still a mclaren win but i'm like is it a win is it not i don't know I know. What are you guys think? Should I bring out the rocket red top for later? Given that I still own one after all these years of not seeing McLaren win, but yeah, great stuff from Oscar, and been it's been entertaining following his mum Nicole on Twitter as well, saying that she has to skip her seven a.m. Pilates class for this now, and I think she brought out champagne to celebrate as well. Yeah, someone after my own heart there. It is. Bring it. Bringing out the champagne at any opportunity, particularly early in the morning. What did I say? It is it is twenty to eight in the morning. Yes, <laughs> why not? Yeah, why not start your day with a good watch? <laughs> There's work tomorrow. I can imagine. I can. It's probably the good time to to do it <laughs> rather than after the Grand Prix. Should that go well? Yeah. So that is that is our show today. I'll just come back to you, Jared. Where, uh, is there anything that you want to shout out? Yeah, quickly, hit the Apex podcast. It's all on the podcast platforms. But also, if you're into your motor racing and and V8 supercars, the Bathurst 1000 is on today. Biggest race of the year, of course, for them. And you can find me live blogging the race on theraw.com. Yeah, if you're up and about wherever you are in the world and want to watch an entertaining race, hopefully, yeah, you can follow my um, live blog coverage on, on the Raw as well. So I'll plug that. Thank you. And Thank you all for having me on, as always, too. Always a pleasure. And Sophia, can you tell us a bit more about Formula Talk? Yeah, we've been a little bit quiet a bit over the last couple of episodes, but we pretty much cover Formula 2, Formula 3, 
F1 Academy, which is back this month as well for the final race, final rounds of the season taking place in Coda in two weeks' time. Formula 3 has just done the postseason testing as well. This weekend, we still have one more race in Formula 2, which is all the way to Abu Dhabi, so that's a long, more wait. But you can pretty much listen to myself and on Grid Talk co-host uh, Tom Downey on pretty much anywhere that you listen to Grid Talk. We are the sister show of Grid Talk. And then as well, I also work with Everything F1. We're covering other articles of motorsports. We have a podcast, uh, two podcasts that go all weekly during race weekends. And you can find us at Join EF1 or our website is www.everythingf1.com. And I'm great to be back. Thank you again as well for having me on this episode as well. It's been a great episode. Likewise, a pleasure. And if you want to keep up to date on, as I've said it before, but I've said it again, be sure to follow us on our brand new social channels at grid.uk to stay up to date with the show on all of the social medias with an at. I, I, you know what? I'm not listing them because that would mean I would have to say X. Oh, I've done it. <laughs> Twitter forever. Long way it last. Grid Talk is available on YouTube where most episodes are recorded live, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal and Pocket Cast. Just search Formula One Grid Talk for our back catalogue back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and race results please consider supporting the channel on patreon so we can get mics lights and better recording equipment and also make sure you subscribe to see the first to know when each new weekly episode is released we will be back soon with plenty more f1 content thank you much thank you very much for listening to the grid talk podcast presented by bet online and goodbye